Welcome to the Legal Double Team. We are Jonathan and Christina Snowden, and we love professional wrestling. Hi, Jonathan. Hello. All right. Last time we recorded, we started with like, oh, it's been like really eventful here. We got a new cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The... And now it's like, it's been really eventful here. We've had COVID for the last three weeks. Yeah, we have uh, become statistics in the in the war on COVID, I guess. Uh, yeah, it was really victims. weird. It's weird enough to be like, oh, I'm living through a pandemic. And now it's like, oh, I'm going to be one of those people who like got the disease. Yeah, I, I honestly kind of thought that we would see it through. Um, and partly because we've just been so careful yeah. during the, the pandemic. I mean, we're, we're the people who have literally not done anything. Um, I mean, we basically took one risk and it didn't pay off. We, yeah, I we mean, put the kids back in school. The, the kids had to attend some school functions. You know, it's they have special needs. It's very difficult to. You can't do. It's very hard to do speech therapy online. Yes, we found that out very, very quickly. And um, yeah, we paid the price big time, especially me. Um, and then we've kind of learned, like, uh, from our own personal experience, like, uh, the this thing is just so different. Like, we're we're all in the same house. Mm-hmm. We all have COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you could bear, one kid you couldn't tell was sick at all. No, had one, no, no symptoms at all. One had like a tiny cough for like a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you were a little bit sick. Yeah, so um, bizarre combination of, of symptoms, but nothing that I would consider severe. And I was like, uh, check you into the emergency room sick. I was like 20 <laughs> minutes from having to call an ambulance at one point. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, the, what happens when you catch this thing can vary so widely. Um, and and like even to the to this moment, like uh, doing this podcast is is going to be hard because I can't breathe very well. And we just keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off because I, waiting for you to get a little bit better. Like and you know this is audio, so you can't really see me, but like I'm a fairly decent shape, exercise every day kind of guy, and I I can't walk between rooms without getting winded. So this thing is a uh, at its worst, uh, is deadly. And, and then when it's just pretty bad, it's hard. So, um, not to make this a public service announcement, but, uh, <laughs> like you, you don't want this, you, you don't want it. If, <laughs> if wearing a mask helps at all, you should do it. Like you don't want to take this chance. Like, um, we've kind of like broken it down into like surviving or not surviving. And, and that kind of, um, minimizes and eliminates the, the 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 other thing that could happen which is that you're as sick as you've ever been in your life for a couple of weeks yeah. which is what happened to me um so uh i'm alive but uh, i wouldn't recommend getting <laughs> covid uh, just because i survived it so anyway that's what we've been up to that's is having much. having having the covid um and then um you know we were going to do this a couple of days ago and um like so many people were um you know, hit by the, the news of the death of, uh, of AEW wrestler uh, Brody Lee, uh, just 40, 41, uh, I think. 41, I think, yeah. Uh, had two young kids, mm-hmm. a wife, and um, as we came to find out, was just so widely loved by the, his peers in the community. Like, um, so like, like everyone else, it's been a, a tough time to... Yeah, uh, it's hard to gear yourself up. To, for, to do a podcast about wrestling. The, you know, talk about how much you love wrestling, which we do, but then, you know, it's, you know, you, you're not really in that headspace. So anyway, um, here we are. 
that's why we haven't been here, but here we are and I'm ready to, to do it. Like, well, we have been away so long. It's been forever. Like, yeah. so we can't really just do normally on this podcast, we do a top five of like matches and, mm-hmm. and, and moments that we like during the course of a week, basically. Um, but we've been gone for months, I think. Yeah, for like two months. So yeah, it's just really, it would just be really too hard to, to try to narrow it down to like just five matches. And right. Some of them would have been months ago. But, hey, remember like a couple months ago when these two people wrestled? Right. So we're still going to do the top five because I have the sound effects. But <laughs> <That's> why, <okay. laughs> instead, the top five is just going to be like kind of broad categories. Yeah, we kind of pick topics. Of um, things that we've enjoyed. Yeah. And so uh, we'll just, we'll jump right into it. Sure. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Number five uh, was kind of like, I guess, a personal revelation for me. Um, and I think less so for you, but like you, I think you agree with me. And it turns out I have discovered about myself, I really like Outlaw Muchos. <laughs> Yeah, I I love the spirit and the vibe and and just kind of like the not giving a fuck attitude of yeah. independent wrestling. Well, I mean, I just began to realize that I actually get I actually get a lot more excited for like an upcoming um, game changer wrestling show than anything than else. I do for like any other pay per views. Yeah, I mean, certainly anything else on on the American scene. And uh, although I'd like to quibble with you, like the idea that you've just discovered this, I know because we loved going to live ECW shows. I know. Shows I, I was actually was still, just gonna say that it was I, still an independent. It wasn't on TV yet. I was like, gonna say it shouldn't have been a surprise to me. It shouldn't have been because ECW is what got me into wrestling the first time, and we, I we I guess like, it was like and now Law Mucha. Yeah. We like tacky, um, ultra-violent wrestling. Well, I, I think there's like, so there's a couple of things about these shows that um, ha, that I really enjoy. I mean, I watch these Game Changer wrestling shows, and I realize I like almost every single match. The show goes by so quickly when I'm watching it. Like, I'm just, I'm so into it. I don't find myself, you know, looking on my phone or doing anything else. And I think part of it is that, you get all these different styles, yes, and and they and you just throw them all together into one show, <clears throat> and the wrestlers themselves have their specialties, but because it's like, it's like a rotating group of people that are going to be on all of these shows, you know, over and over again. They force them into like these other styles, so it's like you never know who you're going to see in that death match, you know. And and sometimes it's like a a big a big shock. You're like, oh wow, how's that guy going to do in a death match? And then turns out most of the time they all kill it across all different styles. Yeah, or they'll put a deathmatch wrestler in with a bunch of technical high flyers yeah, in some kind like, of well, how, scramble you know, match. How's he going to do it? And it turns out like he's a great grappler. What the heck? Yeah, I mean, I think what I what I really like about it is the uh, if you the how how much more raw it is, but mm-hmm. also like the just not just like the presentation, which is is obviously a little bit more gritty, of less professional. I kind of like that um, the independent feel of it, mm-hmm. but also the the wrestling is is less smooth, and I mean that as like a, a compliment. Yeah. So it's kind of like it looks um, much more like combat. Yeah, and it, this is not to disparage like Seth Rollins, but it's like the opposite of Seth Rollins or like a a really good WWE wrestler mm-hmm. who has a pattern thing that they do and they do it so well and so smoothly and and with such grace that it never for a second looks like 
they're actually fighting. Yeah. It looks like they're doing like a, a, a stunt show ballet or something. Mm, right. Um, and, and that's not what it's like to watch uh, Mance Warner or, or Tank Man right. or Ricky Shane Page uh, wrestle. Right. Like watching them wrestle is like watching a, a fight. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and I love that. Yeah. And, and, and I love that guys are going to bleed. I like that they're like a lot of people make fun of wrestlers for like um, trying their best or, or doing some kind of crazy move mm-hmm. because there's only 50 people in the crowd. Right. I, I love yeah. that a guy or a woman will, will, will do that even mm-hmm. though there's like, to me, that's the, that, yeah. that's a huge, um, like I, I got, I have so much respect for that. Yeah. So I kind of feel the opposite of, of like the, a lot of the critics that you see of these kind of shows, right. like the things they don't like about it are the things that I really respect oh, and yeah. enjoy. And I think that told that completely unscripted sort of feel that it has and the enthusiasm that the participants have. Yes. And is, the announcers is really what I have decided that I, I really love and sometimes miss in other promotions, to be honest. Totally. So I'm, I'm, I'm right on board and there's nothing I'm, I get more excited by than a new game changer wrestling, I think is our favorite, mm-hmm. but I, I like other independents. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I, I'd like, I've found that I've uh, really enjoyed all the absolute intense shows that I've seen and black label pro. So there's several promotions out there that I usually feel pretty comfortable that I, I'm going to enjoy the show. But I think GCW is the one that feels the most like the kind of wrestling we liked in the 90s, mm-hmm. which, I, um, which I, I mean just in the spirit of it. Yeah. Like it's not like a, a slavish like copycat. No, Like no. they're not trying to be ECW. Mm, no. They just have kind of the same feel to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I like that much better than like, uh, I'm not going to name the team, but like when a team like uh, or a wrestler just does someone else's act like a tribute oh, act right, or like whatever. Or like this yeah. is not an ECW tribute. Exactly. It's just some something with the same energy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, Mud Show Wrestling is where it's at. All right. And number four was, uh, I believe later on we're going to have, someone has asked a question about uh, promotions or wrestlers that we've come around on, uh, you know, positive or negative in, in the course of the last year. But I know that for me, I have come around on women's wrestling and i i mean i actually you know that i was not a huge fan of of women's wrestling i I tended to use it as like my bathroom break and i i mean i will just cop to that it's true but but to be fair like when we started as wrestling fans um it was in the the attitude era yeah in which, like, you know, you're going to be literally talking about something they called a TNA match. Mm-hmm, yeah. Or, like, you know, it wasn't wrestling. No. That stuff's not wrestling. No. And so uh, it was – that's kind of what you – what women's wrestling was for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, like, was a, a reasonable opinion, I guess. Um, I'm, you're not, like, some big anti-feminist or something. Right, right. But um, currently, though – yeah. Like for the first time ever in mm-hmm. North America, I'm comfortable saying that. Okay. Uh, at least in my lifetime, um, the women's wrestling at the, t- the very, top very top level yeah. is just as good as men's wrestling. Yes. In, that, a, in the U.S. That's basically what, that's basically how I have come to feel like over the last year, which is a huge surprise to me. I never expected to feel that way. But um, when I watch NXT, for example, like, 
it's not that surprising that the first hot match is a women's match. It's it's not surprising that the main event is a women's yeah, match. Yeah, they'll put the women's matches in, the, I, in the work rate positions. Yes, and know. I absolutely will be excited for those women's match matches that I know am coming up because I absolutely know that when you tell me that Candice LeRae is going to wrestle or Io Shirai is going to wrestle or Rhea Ripley is going to wrestle or Dakota Kai or uh, Gonzalez or Shotzi Blackheart, like I absolutely know I'm going to enjoy that match. Right, and and then uh, of course on the 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 big uh, shows, the big stage. you know you have Sasha Banks mm-hmm. and and Bailey who are, are probably the the two best WWE performers of the year. Uh, you have Oscar, Oscar Charlotte's back, traditionally uh, amazing. Uh, Bianca Belair is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just a wealth of talent, the likes of which we've never seen. I can, I actually really enjoy Shayna Baszler and Nia Jackson, their tag team. Yeah, and then like the few times we've had a chance to watch Joshi from Japan, like there's a lot of really impressive talent there. Uh, which for me is like, so I was a wrestling fan, a women's wrestling fan in the 90s of, of the Japanese mm-hmm. scene. And, and that kind of came about by accident. Um, this is back in the days when you ordered VHS tapes or traded for them. Mm-hmm. And, and I was attempting to get an all-Japan pro wrestling tape, AJPW. And instead, I was sent an all-Japan women's tape, okay. AJW. Okay. And I had never really seen women's wrestling. And... Um, so I was exposed to this like mid nineties women's wrestling and it was the most incredible thing ever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I came to respect women's wrestling. Like, like at, at that, in that era, um, the women were as good technically as any man in the and world. And appreciated that and, way. The crowds were huge. They were huge and they were hot for these women. Wrestlers. Oh yeah. That's going back to like the eighties and seventies. Oh, and so, um, uh, I've liked women's wrestling for a long time, but, you know, uh, it just hasn't existed like this in the U.S. on a major level. Uh, and so um, I, I think you have to you have to give WWE a lot of credit because they've they've um, they've they've really made an effort like yeah. they, they've had to make a huge effort, mm-hmm, a huge effort. Um, not just to recruit and train mm-hmm. and develop these great women talent, but also like um to kind of slowly acclimate like people always want a, a fast push for these things and right. to immediately make it like equal. Yeah. And I don't think that, that's I, almost I, never a good that's idea. That's not going to work. And so, <laughs> uh, but, but what they've done really successfully is to slowly acclimate their audience mm-hmm. to, um, getting out of the mindset that you were in that like, Oh, the women are here. I'm going to go, uh, yeah, this, time is, to take a break. this is where I need to go get my pretzel exactly. or the cook dinner or whatever. Or, you yeah, know, this is snack. where it slows down and gives you a break. Right. Uh, they've taught people that that's not true. Mm-hmm, not true. And, um, they've put people in positions, um, to deliver. Yes. And then the talent has exactly. delivered. They've and the, put their trust in them. Yes. And, 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 they've, and they've earned it. Yes, exactly. And so it's been, it's so phenomenal to see. And, and I love watching it. And, um, Io Shirai, we didn't mention, I don't think. Uh, I, I did it in my okay. list. Yeah. Right. She was second. Come all right. Now. All right. Got to give you respect. <laughs> but like, you know, just NXT generally watching Io and Candice and like, uh, it's just so, it's so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I can honestly say that for me, um, where NXT is concerned, the women are where it's at for me right now. Totally. And so, uh, I, I hope that like, you know, as a community, wrestling fans tend to look for like, you know, what, what issues you have with things. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I would encourage people to just take a moment and, and think about what we have 
and to kind of appreciate the unprecedented nature of the the quality of women's wrestling that WWE in particular is delivering all the time. And uh, personally, I'm re- I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. All right, number three. Actually, number th- we said no matches, but number three is a match. Was it a match or was it a fight? <laughs> this is uh, Walter and Ilya Dragunov from NXT UK. If you have not looked up this match yet, I'm sure most of you have, but if you have not, you must watch this match. This is um, one of the hardest hitting wrestling matches I've ever seen in my life. And, and you know, that's not like a statement coming from like somebody who started watching last week or, <laughs> or hasn't seen like the deathmatch wrestling in Japan, hasn't seen shoot style. I've seen uh, Kawada and Misawa. Like I, I've seen the heavy hitters mm-hmm. and, um, Walter is on a list of the heaviest hitters I've ever seen in my life in fake wrestling. Uh, I'm not sure he, he knows that it's fake wrestling. It just uh, reminds me, you went and covered um, uh, Ken Shamrock and Filthy Tom Lawler live, and you told me that you know Ken took stock of how close the audience was, and he decided, um, hey, we're just we're just gonna have to hit each other. There's there's no other way to do it, and it just to me it feels like that's that, what Walter that's what says Walter says every match, no matter what. Only it's a regular match. Yeah, in the ring. yeah. This match was t- Tim, uh, Tom Lawler, and and Ken and Ken in a bar. Yeah, and the camera was really close. Yeah, and, the, around. and people were gonna be right up. Uh, they were know, right, it, yeah, right next. to You them. could touch them. Yeah, and so like yeah, Ken, Ken is kind of a, an older school wrestler mm-hmm. who has done shoot style wrestling, so he understands the importance of trying to make it look legitimate and for his character and who he is. Sure. Like, he, yeah, he's a tough guy. Right. And so, yeah, he bas- I was back there with him, um, and he just basically told Tom, like, I'm, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it's going to be. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and I don't know what the conversation is when you wrestle Walter, but you know. I think you know. I think you know going in. Yeah. Like, he's going to beat the shit out of me. Yeah. I, I, like, I'm going to leave this match with a giant Walter handprint on me for sure, so no dra- matter what. Dragunov is so pale. Yeah. It, it, it partly added to the visceral nature of mm-hmm. this because the welts and the swelling and the redness and uh, just showed immediately. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we're doing justice to, to how need, you, how hard this match you is. You need to watch it. It's amazing. I mean, immediately we were like, match of the year, possibly match of the year. I'm gonna go back and watch a few other contenders from earlier in the year, but but my immediate feeling was I don't think I've seen anything better than this all year. I've I've not seen anything quite like it. We've seen some Noah matches this year that were were really stiff and, mm-hmm. and brutal but i think this is a, on a different level even now, than this, that this felt different um to me because um i know there was a moment you really liked in yeah the beginning. it was at the very beginning uh really really early on in the match probably within the first two minutes Ilya dragunov goes to the top rope i don't know exactly what he was going to attempt but walter cut that right off and to me that very much felt like a message to the audience and also, you know, partly to Dragunov that, like, that's not this kind of match, buddy. Oh, yeah, we're not doing we're that. We're not doing that kind of match. And they did not do that kind of match. And, um, yeah, I mean, I this was just amazing. At, at, at About three-quarters of the way um, through the match, the announcers are asking, how is Dragunov continuing to get up and continue? And I'm thinking – why is he continuing <laughs> to get up and continue? I mean, it is just absolutely brutal. So you get that kind of thing from WWE announcers a lot. 
uh, because that's the storyline they've been told, I guess. Sure. But like this time it didn't feel like hyperbole. No, it didn't. Like, because the audience is also thinking like, what is this guy doing? Why are, why is he doing it? I mean, it was... Is he out of his mind? Yeah. I mean, he, and I'm still wondering that. But but at the same time, though, he he is talented enough that it wasn't like a squash. Like, no. when he started to get some offense in, you felt like, well, I'm not 100% sure how this is going to go down. I think you have to do that in a match like this. Yes. When you wrestle Walter or when you wrestled like a, a guy like Vader or Stan Hansen or someone, um, Brock Lesnar is this way, mm-hmm, people yeah. have told me. Like, if you don't earn their respect mm-hmm. and, and hit them back hard, right. like you're going to be in a, in, in a world of trouble. Yeah, and also, I mean, Ilya Dragunov is not much bigger than, than Finn Balor. We've seen them wrestle each other. So the difference in size between him and Walter is pretty big. And so you know that a guy going into that match, he has basically, he's got two things, right? He's got his quickness and he's got, he has to outlast Walter. Those are, those are his options. Find a way to beat him, you know, with, with your quickness and agility. And if you can't do that, then maybe you can outlast him. You know that's going going in, you know that has to be the story of a match like that. And, you know, in, in, in this case it was. And, um, yeah, I would just encourage everyone to, to watch that match. I, I do want to say, like, I almost feel like I have to. Like, not exactly a trigger warning, but... Um... I know from seeing the online reaction, like there, there will be people for whom this is an uncomfortable level of violence. Like there are people that did not like this match because it was too much. Oh. Uh, and um, I'm, I honestly wasn't even mad because I like I, I could understand that I could, the, how this could not be your thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I anytime anybody says a certain kind of match isn't their bag, I'm like, yeah. You know, sure. Right. That's I mean, okay. But yeah, I can see being uncomfortable with this. This is like, that's like just how how visceral and how just kind of like almost over the top the the, the violence was in this match. And so um, be, be forewarned. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't even want to see this match every week. Like, oh, the, the, no. This should not, be. <laughs> no, this is not something I would watch over and over again. No. no it's something that uh, was special and should be used in moderation. <laughs> All right. Number two, our number two topic. Of course, you know I'm not. I can't possibly skip this. We have a new AEW champion. We do. Kenny Omega Kenneth, is holding the belt. Kenneth, our boy. <laughs> our, our beloved, Kenneth Jerome Omega. Our, our beloved Kenneth is the champion. Um, and, and in our last podcast, I remember we were sort of concerned about how this would go down. Yeah, we actually laid out exactly how we didn't want this to go and down. That's exactly and that's what they exactly did. what they did. Um, I was not happy with the build um, for for Kenny. Um, I'm afraid this feels like for a certain part of the AEW audience, uh, maybe a little bit rushed. Maybe they haven't really established him as um, someone who deserves this, but I suppose that's okay because they decided to turn him into a turncoat chicken shit heel. <laughs> right, and to an almost com- comedy character. Uh, as you would expect, uh, this Kenneth Omega is going to be super polarizing. Um, his act is very over the top uh, and which, goofy. And, and so, yeah, so it's perfectly fine that he doesn't feel deserving of the belt sure. because he's the kind of character that doesn't deserve the belt. But there are also, you know, there's also 
always the undercurrent of he's the best wrestler in the world. Right. And so those two things don't necessarily interact very well together. Those that those two parts of the same character. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll be curious how they, they pull this off as a longtime wrestling fan who's like kind of watched like the political maneuverings of, of wrestling. Right. Um, to me, this feels like uh, anti-Kenny people backstage um, giving Kenny a fake Triple H Vince McMahon push <laughs> where they like give a guy that they don't think that can be successful uh, a push that's not going to work. So then they can say, see, I told you, Tony, it didn't work. Um, that's kind of my thought about um, I think he's being manipulated into failing with some of the the approach here uh i think i love it personally Mm -hmm. i enjoy this i i think kenny is a goofball is fun Mm -hmm. uh i don't know that it will resonate with wrestling yeah i'm I'm a little bit concerned um so if you haven't if you haven't been watching um he he won a rather haphazard tournament in order to get a shot against longtime champion uh john moxley um he then cheated to win with the help of Impact Vice President Don Callis. Yes, who was inexplicably invited to do commentary as Kenny wrestled. Um, and then, what do you know? He interfered. Yeah, I mean, they they had telegraphed it for a couple of, sure. of weeks. Well, that he they've was also get involved they've in also telegraphed it through the history of AEW, in which no heel has ever won a match clean. Yes, and so um, yeah, when when Kenny turned heel, Kenny became a guy who cheats to win. I guess. Yes, um, and whatever is happening between impact wrestling and AEW, I haven't quite figured it out. I mean, as of right now, uh, Kenny has spent much more time on impact programming than he has on AEW programming since, uh, winning the title. Um, also there doesn't seem to have been a lot of reaction within AEW about, somebody cheating to win their belt and then taking it to another promotion. Right. So we've yet to hear from former champion John Moxley. Right. And no one from AEW, uh, none of the major players, have mentioned Kenny's win. Nope. They haven't challenged him. Nope. No one's mad that he went to a competing wrestling promotion with their belt. Nope. Uh, it's, it's Some sort weird. of tongue-in-cheek stuff about Kenny turning heel, but nothing right. on the programming itself. So if you're doing... Um, an interpromotional thing where Impact is going to feud with AEW. Uh, AEW seems pretty nonplussed about <laughs> their champion going over to Impact. Yes. To wrestle a match soon. Right. Um, so it's it's all kind of weird. And, it's you know, very w- when it was first announced, there was uh, kind of like a, a lot of the very online and hardcore fans uh, had a whole list of like dream matches. And it was, uh, it was being kind of. Or fantasy booking. Yes. The present, yeah. Presented in their own minds as if this was going to be like a full-on crossover. Mm -hmm. But instead, uh, we've only seen Kenny on Impact, Mm -hmm. and we've only seen Don Callis from Impact on AEW television. So um, while it's certainly possible there may be some other intermixing, Mm -hmm. as yet, um, it's not really a crossover as much as uh, Kenny Omega is is screwing around in a trailer, uh, an RV on Impact. Yeah. Um, Which I don't mind. I find... That and Ken, and Tony Khan's <laughs> buying commercial space NWO style yeah. on, on Impact. Um, I mean, it's mildly amusing. Uh, I don't think it's stuff that draws money in wrestling, though. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm a little bit. And you've cert- and you've seen the audience like so. There was a significant um, impact on their on Impact's rating. <laughs> um, 
when Kenny first came, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they had a bigger audience than they normally do. Right. But by the next week, it seemed like that had mostly drifted off and, and I saw much less discussion of it. Yeah. And so, um, I, I don't know if it's going to peter out and kind of end up being nothing right. or if it, they'll kind of give it a, a boost. Um, of course, it, all this is so hard to tell what's going to happen and it's so hard to navigate because of COVID that, right. um, who's to say what's to come but as right. of right now it, it it seems like an initial a lot of ado mm-hmm. about nothing <laughs> yeah well, well but you're, see. you're the kenny person you tell me like how are you feeling um yeah i so i'm i'm not sure i didn't i didn't like the build um it adds that extra little element when they added in the running away to impact part and and now his um participation in in the impact programming and and their upcoming pay-per-view that obviously I I didn't foresee couldn't really foresee at that level I did already I was already telling you that Kenny's suddenly referring to himself as we which no one seemed to question even though it's totally weird Um, of course we turned out to be Kenny and Don Callis of course there was a reason he was referring to we all the time because he was plotting with with somebody. Um, I just don't know how many, I don't, didn't see that a lot of people picked up on that. Uh, I'm not sure that they saw this coming or knew what to think about it at the time. I do kind of like the, uh, Kenny Omega, the belt collector, uh, premise that he's been talking about. You know, he has the AEW belt. He's kind of acting like he's got eyes on the impact belt. He's got the, that triple a mega championship. Um, you know, he's made overtures, uh, the DDT champion. Well, when the DDT champion made overtures towards him, he keeps alive little bits and pieces about new Japan. Um, I don't know if you remember, but in that time period between, Kenny losing to the belt to Tanahashi in New Japan and us finding out for sure that he was joining AEW, you and I actually talked on the podcast, and I was suggested that if Kenny Omega wanted to come over and just drift from all the different promotions in the U.S. and just collect up all their belts, I'd watch all of them. <laughs> so I'd sort of, you know, had that idea. <laughs> Whether or not that's actually going to come mean anything or come to fruition, I don't know. I think they just like to throw a lot of stuff against the wall. And if if some of it eventually works, then they're like, oh, look, long-term storytelling. Um, but obviously we've seen that a lot of stuff that they've started hasn't ever really gone anywhere. So I, I don't know what to expect from it. I, I will say, as the only person gifted to see the Christina Snowden reaction video with my eyeballs mm-hmm. as you watched Kenny win the championship oh my re- i had I, my reactions during that show were visceral <laughs> uh, i was kind of um i was kind of surprised that of the lack of pop I, I thought you'd be more excited um well you know how mad i was about uh sting being introduced um i i really don't, it, don't get the sting fans mad at us. it's not sting i'm not mad at sting i'm mad that they couldn't let kenny have the night right so that all the all of the like Post I mean, it kind show. of plays into your idea that that yeah, this is this is some this is a sabotage. This is some backstabbing, not political so, nonsense. So Kenny wins the belt, but yet all the news articles are yes. about Sting. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a 
It's like, you know, when they WWE would pretend that someone other than Cena was the champion, only they would not be in the main event or whatever. <laughs> right, like, yeah. you know, it's like the sure. same kind of feeling. Sure, I remember Where it's like that. a mid-card champion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope that that doesn't happen. But um, a lot there's a lot of bad actors Yeah, in, so the, in I wrestling. mean, it did. It, it really dampened my, in, my enjoyment of getting to see Kenny win the belt. And then, of course... Yeah, you know, I don't know how I feel about seeing Kenny win the belt that way. So yeah, is it cheating to win? Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> um, just kind of generally, it's uh, enthusiasm for that particular product seems to be diminishing in our household, uh, but still hopeful that they can turn it around. And, and it it could be that it's not supposed to be for us anymore. Like we really enjoyed it last year. They seem to do a lot of things that we liked, mm-hmm. and and sure. um, we're we're starting. Oh, to, we've had those ups and downs with with, with all, all, kinds, the, of all kinds of promotions. Sure. So yeah, I mean, I mean, it's fine. Like uh, we'll see where it goes, and if they can bring it back around to the things that we enjoy, we'll be more enthusiastic about it. Sounds good. All right, number one. The other side of that coin, the Golden Lovers coin. The G one climax. So, haha, <laughs> this was okay. Last podcast we did, we were actually, I think, about halfway through the G1. And we had every intention. I mean, we had we had done our top five. We had our discussion points. We had our questions from the audience. We were completely ready to do a post-G1 podcast, except for... You didn't feel like it was over. I was freaked out. Yes. Um, and, the, and you, you know, you can... I'm not, this is not hindsight. I'm not making this up. Um, I was extremely excited about uh, Kota Ibushi winning his second G1 in a row, his making it to the finals three years in a row. I mean, he is Mr. G1. He cannot miss. Him in those tournaments is just, it's always amazing. But I was very concerned about his briefcase. G1 winner gets a briefcase with a contract to face the champion, um, at Russell Kingdom. And I was worried that they made a very big deal about how historical it was that Kota Ibushi was in his third G1 finals in a row, that Kota Ibushi is one of very few people to have ever won back-to-back. That made me nervous because no one has ever lost the briefcase. So it would be very historical <laughs> for someone to drop the briefcase. And so I told you, I'm scared. I don't want to I don't want to talk about this until after he has his match against Jay White, who I discuss at length as being I think his toughest opponent because I have discussed at length the fact that he can't seem to figure Jay White out. And I just if I had just had a feeling in my chest that he was going to lose his prized briefcase. And I was right. And he did. And so I didn't know what that meant for Kota Ibushi and Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, it's it's very tough for me. I'm not good at figuring out what uh, Gato's booking is going to be for New Japan. Uh, they surprise me a lot with what they do. And, and, and Ibushi is a tough one to figure out mm-hmm. because... Um, He's clearly the most gifted, I think, wrestler in the world. Right. At at the same time, like politically, he's not 
from the New Japan system. Mm-hmm. He's only recently in his career a New Japan wrestler. Mm-hmm. So um, these are huge opportunities and a big deal. And it's like, um, I think he's popular with the crowd, but he's not like the most popular with the crowd. No, and so, quite frankly, he doesn't really have, he doesn't really exude the personality that it makes a good ambassador for the right. company, which is what they want the guy with the belt to do. Sure, and he does. He doesn't have... Um, he has great wrestler energy, but he doesn't have like top guy energy. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how you can just kind of feel the difference. Yes, like sure. When you see like a, a John Cena or a Tanahashi or or an Okada, yeah, or or, or even on like a lower level like a Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. like that someone who wants to do a news show or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that, right? You know, someone who 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 you feel comfortable putting on like a late night talk show mm-hmm. and, and letting them charm the audience, like. Uh, he doesn't necessarily feel like that guy. No. And so um, it's hard to know what to make of him, like in these positions where yeah. he's going to be in the biggest match of the year. But um, I, I don't know. Are they going to let him win one of these? I, it's hard to say. I don't know. So uh, what actually happened is that uh, Jay White, who now holds the briefcase, and, and, and once we knew for certain that there would be two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, uh, he basically said, hey, I make my own rules because somehow he does. And he said, I'm, I want to cash in on the IWGP and Intercontinental Champion on the second night. Not, ba- the, not the first night. He, he basically said, I, I'm only wrestling once. Mm-hmm. I'm only wrestling once on the second night. And that left, o- that left open, well, what's your main event on the first night going to be? And so current double champion Naito said, I want the actual G1 winner. I want Kota Ibushi. Right. So there will be two world title matches, one on January 4th, one on January 5th. The mm-hmm. first one will be Naito against Ibushi, mm-hmm. even though he lost the briefcase. Right. And then the winner of that will face Jay White. Yes. And someone, uh, that will be the, the champion coming out of the Wrestle King, two-day Wrestle Kingdom. Exactly. Uh, so what do you think? What's going to happen? So you, you were worried about Ibushi and his briefcase and you were correct. He lost uh historically. Yes. Um, a historic loss. He'll have another chance to main event against the champion Mm -hmm. at at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, he lost last time. Last time. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, he is basically in the same position that he was in last year. Yeah, essentially. Um, who, this is tough. Um, I think my gut tells me that this is his time. I think he'll beat Naito, and then I think he will finally conquer Jay White when it matters the most on the second night. So I I thought last year, mm-hmm. and I ended up, of course, being entirely wrong, mm-hmm. that Ibushi would win the, the first night of mm-hmm. Wrestle Kingdom and be a one-day champion. Yeah. Um, it just felt like something that would happen to Ibushi. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it's like you know believing that this he's going to be the guy who loses the briefcase. Like if they were ever going to do a one day champion, I can't even imagine it being anybody but Ibushi. In some way, it's it's kind of cool. I think in that it would be like, I mean, it would suck that he didn't have a long reign, mm-hmm. but also it you know it it indicates the respect. That right. they respect him as a performer and uh, enough to give him that line on his resume that he was right. the champion, but also for the reasons that we talked about, like maybe he's not the best guy to be a long time champion, mm-hmm. and so um, it, it kind of um, 
he he doesn't have to deliver under that kind of pressure while while still being recognized when he retires at the end of the day is like this is a guy who was among the best. Yeah, I mean, if I could see them doing it with anybody, I I could kind of see it with Ibushi. But I just believe that we've just had now years of him being foiled by Jay White at every turn. I really think on this biggest stage, he's finally going to figure out, you know, how, how to beat Jay White. Well, it'll be fun to see. Like, this is like one of the guys, like, um, they, you know how there's that one, the meme of the guy being like, it's still real to me. Like, <laughs> the, uh, Kota Ibushi, I think, is the one wrestler that we kind of like turn off the smart fan uh, cap mm-hmm. and, and just kind of watch it to like, uh, like it's sports. He's our guy. Yeah. We want to see him win. Right. And so. Um, I just, I honestly don't know how you don't get sucked in to, to watching Kota Ibushi wrestle. Like it's just seem it just, to me, it's just such a visceral experience to watch him physically do what he does. Like, I just don't know how anybody doesn't get like really sucked into that. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. All right, so those were basically our our top five topics, and we're going to come back uh, and do a an end of year yeah kind of best the next of show. Couple of days. That's a, you've heard these promises from us before, <laughs> but we, we that's our intention. But we do have some listener questions. Oh, okay. All right, so Liam asks, um, "Tell me some things that that would have absolutely happened in wrestling if not for the pandemic." Uh, I think Brock Lesnar would have resigned. I, I think so. I, I think um, you know. I think were, he'll resign as soon as this is over. I think so. And, and um, you, there were some reports that he was kind of unhappy with how they were handling their protocols. Um, so that's part of it. And also, I think it's harder for them to pay him what he wants when there's not like sure. all the the same amount of revenue. Sure. Although they made a ton and of. And like, money. how do you get to be the, the special guy who doesn't have to do like all of the traveling and just like come in for the pay per views? I mean, now I mean, it just he'd just be like everybody else, just having to show up at the one place. Right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think uh, Lesnar would have uh, come back to WWE, and, and I'm one uh, one of the other things. It's uh, kind of like a general thing, but like I think that we would have seen some really fun crowd responses particularly in AEW where the crowd is so enthusiastic yeah. i think that the um the pandemic cheated us out of like mm-hmm. the huge pops for um like you know you think about Brody Lee uh he never once wrestled in front of a, 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 a real AEW crowd cuz he he debuted after covid like shortly yeah. after and um and and never got the chance mm-hmm. uh, i think they would have been huge for him mm-hmm. um we, in that time, we've seen Matt Hardy debut. Matt Hardy, FTR. We've now seen Sting come out. Sting. Like with, I mean, they, you know, with like a, a tiny little, whatever, fifteen percent Daily's Place audience. It's it's not the same. Right. I mean, th- these things would have been so huge, mm-hmm. and and other acts. I think in in I, I th- I'm thinking of AEW in particular, um, but like I think uh, some of the stuff with Orange Cassidy mm-hmm. would have been would have felt a lot different with the yeah. crowd there. And, and some of the, the kind of like underdog, uh, orange Cassidy esque acts like, mm-hmm. uh, John Silver uh, and people like that. I think it would have been even easier for him to, um, to take his excellence on being the elite and, and kind of transform it into like, uh, 
getting big opportunities yeah. on Dynamite had there been a crowd there. Yeah, to lots play along. of big, a lot a big chanting crowd. Like yeah, I, I, in WWE, I think uh, the equivalent is that I feel like the COVID era and the lack of. You know, the WWE crowd, we've been to several WWE shows. Um, it's it's very family-friendly. Like, it, there's a lot of kids there and stuff. I really think Otis would have done better. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, obviously, a lot of people believe, you know, he's been royally screwed. Because, right. you know, they, they sort of ran with him and then they just dumped him. And I feel like he is an act that would have remained extremely popular with like a lot with live crowds, they would have kept him alive and that would have kept him in a, in a better position. Yeah. I think that totally like the fun underdog baby face, mm-hmm. like that, that was the energy they, they were counting on with him winning the briefcase mm-hmm. and it, and it just disappeared. Yeah. And it's, it's not just, his fault. No, it's not his fault. Uh, but, um, I, and I, I actually think they're right in some sense that like, it doesn't work just as a TV product right. for him to. Oh, I, get I this. agree completely. He, he's totally dependent on the live audience, which is a credit to him, as as a charismatic performer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he's probably the one WWE person that um, was was hurt badly by this. I mean, some things that we were supposed to see was just a, a plethora of some of the most interesting. Uh, indie bookings that you you know you've ever seen. Like, oh yeah, so the whole the whole entirely. WrestleMania um, week mm-hmm. that we had enjoyed so much the year before, where it's just like dozens of indie shows, like with just these weird matchups and yeah, uh, them Suzuki against Orange Cassidy yes, exactly. and like just stuff you would never normally see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of it kind of like. Um, inspired by some of the early Joey Janela kind of wacky cards that he yeah, did. Yeah, and I think some of that stuff would have been, I believe, so popular that then we would have, I think we would have gotten treated to even more of yeah. that. And and now it's, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see if they can ever sort of, you know, reclaim that, that kind of magic. If we're ever going to be able to get those kinds of weird um yeah, those kind of like bizarre interpromotional intercontinental sort of matchups in these indie shows again. Yeah. The, I think they were hit very hard by the pandemic in in part because of course, um, WWE is a, a huge international conglomerate in their own right. Mm-hmm. You know, they have almost, uh, unlimited resources. Right. Uh, so they could weather this. Mm-hmm. Um, although unfortunately that, that wasn't true for them weathering it for a lot of their employees <laughs> and wrestlers who they cut, but um, they they had the resources to continue on. Yeah. AEW the same, but it, it's much harder when you're when you're on a shoestring mm-hmm. indie budget and you're probably barely making money if you're making any money at all, and and you run into these problems like the, those are insurmountable problems. Yeah. And so the indie scene, which felt felt like it was like. Oh, uh, I expected on the WrestleMania precipice weekend to be huge. Of being amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they just kind of had to press pause on it for the most part. And um, it, it was so hard for the for the promoters and the performers in particular. Like, it's real easy to be, like, a know-it-all online saying, like, they shouldn't be running any indie cards. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, like, um, yeah, but you got to eat. <laughs> That's right? right. And you've got rent. And like, right. you know, like it's, it's real life stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's very hard. And yeah. so I, I think the pandemic costs us a lot of uh, really amazing, uh, independent stuff. 
All right. Oh, uh, one more that I was going to add. Hit me. Actually, I was thinking about it the other day, and I wonder whether or not Roman Reigns' heel turn would have gone as well with uh, regular live audiences. And that's because without the live audiences, um, you know, who like, uh, you know, boo, talk over you, say what every time you say something, like all the kinds of annoying things that live audiences can do, especially where heels are concerned, he's gotten a chance to dive into this character and be like super intense, like with this uninterrupted intensity that has made it really easy for us to figure out who this guy is and, and, and how he's operating. And I'm trying to imagine, uh, because of just like the visceral reaction that uh, Roman Reigns already got from live crowds, uh, especially when they felt like that they were tired of seeing him beat everybody. Um, but then also as this like kind of nasty heel, I'm wondering whether or not it would have come across the same way and whether or not he could have uh, given us, I think, what is such a masterful performance. Yeah, I, I think that um, you're, you're right that the... the you're able to focus more on on the, his intensity mm-hmm. and, and the quality of his performance. Mm-hmm. It came through uh, because there weren't all these other outside distractions. Right. And, and um, also, like you know, a lot of times, the crowd will have an initial reaction to something that kind of like comes before it's clear what how it's going to go oh, sure. or whether yeah. it's going to be good or not. Like they just have an immediate initial reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead, this was allowed to breathe. Yeah. And he was allowed to develop it. Right. And, and they were allowed to tell kind of like a multi-week story um, in a way that I think it would have been much harder to. And there would have been more kind of like uh, opportunities for the p- decision makers to to change it in a way that wasn't as good. Right. Uh, based on like initial feedback mm-hmm. or like, you know, or, or chicken out altogether. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, the, this the, the lack of audience in this case was was to his benefit. Mm-hmm. All right, so this was an interesting one, and I forgot to write anything down, so we'll just have to... Um, oh, no, we're winging it? We'll just have to wing it. But I was really excited initially by this question by uh, Oose Buffer. I wanted us to create the Haas Hall of Fame and induct the first class of awesome, meaty, punchiness, big men slapping meat. All right. I mean, I, you're a huge appreciator of Haas wrestlers, so who you got? So I think the... Like, do we have to, like, because it's the first class, do we just, do they all have to be old, or? No, I don't, I, well, okay. I don't think so. There's no rules. All right, okay, no rules. <laughs> but, um, no rules in this Hall of Fame. In, in this Everyone's case, eligible. Th- they probably are old to okay. some extent. Um, but to me, the number one, in, in my lifetime as a pro wrestling fan, the number one Haas wrestler is uh, is Stan Hansen <laughs> from All Japan Pro Wrestling. Right. Uh, just a, 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 a cowboy had the hardest lariat I've ever seen, just beat the crap out of people, um, was um, was blind uh, pretty much without glasses. Really? And so that that was his excuse at least for why he potatoed so many people. <laughs> like some, somehow he could work like a 20-minute match and like do like intricate spots and stuff. And, and But, you know, when it came time to hit his lariat, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I, I, I can't. My perception's I, yeah, That's on. right. It's off that time when I really whacked you. So... Um, there's like a that's amazing a selfishness required to be like a good hard hitting Haas wrestler, in that like um, 
you just can't really worry that much about your opponent. Right. Like you, you just have to know that you're going to, you're going to whack them a little bit. Yeah. And so, um, Stan definitely had that going for him. And so he, he'd be my number one. And I think one a for me is, uh, is Vader. Okay. So, um, sort of a similar wrestler, but kind of, uh, the, the next iteration, right. the next generation. Exactly. So he had like kind of, uh, more, even more than Stan did, like the 90s style high spots, mm-hmm. in addition to the, I'm just going to smack you. And so um, he was always fun. So th- those would probably be my, my top two. They're going in first. For me. Okay. Who you got? Um, well, I saw not as big an appreciator of the Haas wrestlers. Um, I know, I think... So in I think in the more a slightly more modern time, if you I know mean, he's I think he's a little bit smaller, but do you count Samoa Joe? Yeah, Samoa Joe's because he's a got the right star. style. Yes, it's yeah. all about attitude. Okay. And so like yeah, he he fits that bill. Um, another one that I would put in the the Hall of Fame from when I was a kid, mm-hmm. who was like super terrifying to me, it was uh, Wahoo McDaniel's. <laughs> see, I don't know him much. I, I mean, I can pick him out, uh, you know, see him in a picture, but I'm really not familiar with him at all. So he was uh, one of the hardest hitting wrestlers I've ever seen. A former uh, professional football player, okay, uh, Native American. Um, so he did a lot of like. Indian strap matches, as they called them. Oh, cool! And, and there's just a brutality to what he did. Okay. That um, that even in like a, a kind of like a stiffer environment of of 70s and 80s wrestling, like he stood out for just like um, the quality of his violence, and 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 he was a big old boy, and so those two things combined is what you're looking for in a Haas wrestler. So um, I think those those would be my my initial inductees if you. Uh, Maybe to, to add some um, some spice to it and some inclusiveness, uh, maybe we'd add uh, Asha Kong oh, okay, as, yeah. as, a, as a, the women's example, or, or Bull Nakano, or Dump Matsumoto. Maybe we'll add three Japanese pre- uh, <laughs> Joshi wrestlers, all, right. um, all of whom were just devastating the Haas wrestlers. Yes, yeah, and I, and I see that too, like... Um, you don't really have to like compare like how big they were, how tall they were. It was a style. Yeah, it's a, an attitude. Gotcha. And so I, I love it. So um, I was going to actually write up an article maybe. Um, it, I don't really have a website to write it for or, or any reason to beyond just wanting to. So I, I'll, I'll think about this further. Those are my initial thoughts. Okay. But I'll think about it further and maybe maybe do something with that. All right. Um, so... Uh, Chris Kriptop wants to know our thoughts on the match between Hiromu and, and Despi. Uh, he thought it was one of his favorite matches of the year. I liked it. It certainly was one of the better um, post-G1 Climax New Japan matches. Yeah, you know, I watched, once it got, once I got caught up, I think I watched most of uh, World Tag League and most of Best of the Super Juniors. I uh, wasn't a huge fan of this year's uh, Super Junior tournament, um, but... Well, they just weren't able to have the kind of diversity that you would normally expect because yeah. of the travel restrictions and stuff. Yeah. So there weren't, like, is the, the Mexican contingent and stuff. Like, it, it just... Uh... And, the, and the new entrance that they did have uh, didn't excite <laughs> me very much. Um, but, yeah, but I, I did really enjoy this match. So the... 
these two have some interesting chemistry. Um, uh, there's like a real um, sensualness, I guess, is probably the way you describe it to to how they interact. A sensualness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even think they shy away from it. Like, so let's not bury the lead. If you didn't watch the match, uh, Hiromu rips uh, Desperado's mask off. Yes. Um, which is very disrespectful. It's very disrespectful. I was actually really surprised by that. Um, but he's wearing this really cool face paint underneath. Right. He always, ha- yeah, he always has like the that one, the section that's like painted or whatever. But like, um, it's. I mean, I've never seen him with without his mask. Um, I, that was, yeah, it was. I think legit- he was. He's pretty foxy though. Oh yeah, it's New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> So that that the fact that like there occasionally that's happened in New Japan like there's been uh, people have ripped Jushin Liger's mask sure. or tried to rip it off like it's always well it's like a I think it illustrates a level of intensity yes it adds it, it, and also like kind of like um, indicates that it's taking it to a different level of like um, maybe hatred and like kind of or, or, uh, I don't you know I don't. It's not hatred not that hatred, I get exactly. between these two, but it like makes it more intimate. Right, I care more. I care about this a lot. We're we're in this together. And I thought it. I thought that. Um, I thought Despy had a very interesting reaction. It in wasn't. The, it wasn't as angry as you would have thought. Or trying to hide. No. It was like he pulled. Hiromu ripped part of the mask, and he just said, "Fuck it," and he took the rest of it off. Right. And so that's what I meant by that level of intimacy. He's like, oh, oh, you want to get down to it without a mask between us? Okay, right. let's go. Oh, you want to see me? Mm-hmm. You exactly. Wanna, you know, okay, I'll let you. Yeah. Yeah, it was very intense. <laughs> um, there's a lot of psychosexual stuff in, in, in some New Japan wrestling, and uh, this was one of them. So it, it did kind of like... Uh, Boy, I hope that's what you meant when you wanted to know our feelings <laughs> about this match. <laughs> uh, well... Uh, I think one of the things about juniors wrestling in the current New Japan is that, like, it's, like, antiseptic. I don't know if that's the right word, but it almost feels like uh, going through the motions wrestling. Like, there's not a lot of heart to it. Yeah, it can it can get that way. So, like, that that's partly why this stood out because of uh, how intense it felt. Yeah. And, like, how the, the two... The bond between the two that was established, uh, particularly, it's already there. Yeah. Based on their comments to each other and the way they wrestle and each other. And their history. Yes. Sure. But but the ripping of the mask just kind of like uh, added a level to it. Mm-hmm. Like that, that made this match really stand out um, in a way that most of the New Japan Junior stuff really just frankly doesn't for me. Yeah, yeah, I thought it. I thought I did think overall it was a weak tournament, but this match was really, really good. It was fun. I, I wouldn't. Um, he said it was his favorite match of the year, which uh, obviously that's a, a completely subjective opinion, mm-hmm. and, and I could see how how it would be, especially if you if you really like Hiromu or, or Despi. Like right. um, this will be one of the matches when you talk about their careers in ten years. Mm-hmm. I, I think this will be one that people talk about, right? Because it, it really stands out. Yeah, I. There is there is that very interesting uh, aspect of Hiromu and how he has very he has very distinct relationships with several different juniors that he get that he uh, you know faces every so often. Right, that are beyond just like yeah, uh, you beat me Dragon in a match Lee, or and I beat you in a match. He and Will Osprey uh, definitely had a, like there was like a. Something, different yeah something, something brewing on. there, sure. and then he and El Desperado. 
they have it's a very complex uh, relationship and and one that I'm I'm always interested uh, to see them you know in the ring together yeah so that's one so like if you're one of the people who um, I don't I don't have the date in front of me but like if you're one of the people who only kind of watch the big matches or or watch the G1 um, this might be one to to seek out yeah and I and I actually asked him I assumed that this was the match that he was talking about but they met earlier in the tournament. And that was a very different feeling kind of match. And I like that one, too. I, like, as just pure wrestling, I think I, the pure wrestling may have been a little bit better in the first match. The second match was all about that, that story and that intensity and, and the relationship between these two performers. All right. So Joshua Gutierrez asks, um, we were we were talking earlier about the WWE women's scene. He asks, um, would the AEW women's division have been better if Brandy wasn't jammed into everything at the start, or were these kind of issues they're having always going to happen? So yeah, I don't. I wouldn't put it all on Brandy. I no, mean, I think obviously it's a bad decision. Uh, to have to try to have her be like the face. So yeah, of the there's women's there's division. two things going on there, which is one is that. Uh, Brandy has been given an inordinate amount of television time, characters, gimmicks uh, that were abandoned in the middle. Yeah. Like, um, there's limited time on AEW Dynamite and, and in their promotional scheme. Mm-hmm. And, and they've devoted a lot of what could have gone to other women's wrestlers to Brandy, mm-hmm. uh, who is one of the worst performers on the roster. Mm-hmm. So there is that. Like, that, that's not a good thing. Um, but I think the bottom line issue is that there's just not enough talent in the world. Uh, there's not enough uh, women wrestlers developed at the level to perform uh, on a top national television right. show. And most of them are in WWE. Mm-hmm. I, I think my opinion is that's the heart of the problem. And they have some interesting performers. I think Nyla Rose and, and Sheeta and Britt Baker uh, are interesting performers who you could see like going and, and uh, getting an opportunity in WWE. Um, but they wouldn't be like immediately at the top there. Right. So, uh, but they're asked to fill that role, uh, in, in a W and and maybe they're, they're just not, uh, there yet. Right. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think they're going to have a tough time. Uh, I think they're going to continue to have a, a, a tough time. And, uh, I think part of that is because. How, a little bit how we described earlier about how the WWE acclimated us to understanding that they had a lot of trust in these women. They were going to put them in positions on the card, on pay-per-views, on television, um, and expect them, you know, to carry their weight, and they did. And and it, over time, you know, they they helped us to understand that the women at the top could could just they're just the top performers like they're not the top women uh this wasn't the best women's match of the night this may be the best match of the night right and so the problem with AEW is that they have spent this last year telegraphing how unimportant the women are to them I don't know how you're going to turn that around like you're not going to be able to just sign three or four great talents and and turn around that whole division just you know just based on bringing in people um, you, 
you've just hurt that brand. Right. And there's just, I mean, there's just not enough women on the roster. Uh, so basically you can run one match at a time or one feud at a time. And that's just not enough Mm-mm. to, to create like sustainable interest. And then, um, I mean, if and you going just, back to the original watch question, it. Though, watch, you get like, you get one match a show and you generally don't even know who's going to be in it because all they tell you is something like she does in action. Nyla Rose will be in action, or Britt Baker will be in action. You don't even know who their opponent is going to be. They're just telegraphing it to you that it's not important. It's right. not important that you know who they face. Right. And and then um, it's going back to the, the original question, though, uh, and the, there's just such a lack of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then when something comes along, like even like just recently, like you get this chance to have some national publicity with, with, oh, with Shaq. Shaq. That's right. And instead of like... Um, having a uh, big swole or, or Britt Baker or someone who, who could maybe uh, use that momentum mm-hmm. and turn it into something. Right. Here comes Brandy. Like, so it is, it is hard because you, it's already an uphill battle. And then as these women are trying to climb that hill, um, they're just constantly having their feet knocked out from under them. And, and, and then like, here comes Brandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's difficult. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. If you're an up-and-coming talent right now, um, where do you want to go based on how they treat the women's division? Where right. do you want to go? Like, you could try to be the, the big fish in a small pond over in AEW, but I mean, you're you're like a big fish in a really, 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 really tiny pond. I right, mean, yeah. is that better than trying to be the big fish? over in a promotion um, that's going to have several women's matches on every single television show that's going to feature, really feature the women in their pay-per-views. Like, I think you want to take your chances over there. Yeah, I mean, there's opportunity. People talk about, like, um, bad booking in WWE or whatever, but you're going to have a chance, at least if you're good enough, to to main event, even WrestleMania, we've yeah. seen with women's wrestling. And so, like, the, the opportunities are much larger for someone who's confident in themselves and has the ability in, in WWE. The thing about AEW is that you can be you could be a really good women's wrestler and make a decision to come to AEW, but you would have to you'd have to know somewhere in your heart that like it doesn't matter how good good I am, there's nothing to do here. Mm-hmm. Like you could have the one or two big feuds and then you're just right in the position that the sheet is in where it's like, okay, do we run Nyla Rose match for the fifth time? Like there's there's no there's nothing no sustainable long term plan with any of this, mm-hmm. and, and they don't you know they don't get enough time to develop uh, a mid card mm-hmm. or, or even a top of the card. It's basically like okay we're going to do one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. So um, it's rough. It's going to be a, it's, it's a very uphill battle for them. Yeah, I think you you most likely what you'll see is like this kind of like what you you'll get one match from AEW of the women it'll be a throwaway kind of popcorn match and um unless they sign like 10 good wrestlers i don't see and then devo- and then you have to devote a lot of time mm-hmm. to getting them over and teaching the audience to accept it and stuff like it's just so hard yep like it, it would require a huge commitment of time and resources that they just don't have um maybe things change if they do develop a second television show opportunities will will abound that aren't there now but but right now um it's it's dire i think for the women's division in aw 
I think that's true. All right. So Lee Casebolt asks, uh, what wrestlers and promotions did you turn around on most this year for better or worse? All right. Um, wrestlers. Uh, we... <laughs> We've actually, we've discussed this in depth on some podcasts throughout the year. Um, but I would have to say at the top of that list would be Tai Chi. Yes, Tai Chi and, and Zack Sabre Jr. Who were, uh, well, I didn't have to turn around on Zack well, Sabre well, Jr. I, did. <laughs> I, 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 I was always anti-Zack Sabre Jr. You were. Because uh, he does some interesting stuff, but like... Um, the, the kind of like faux fighting he does is so performative and like it's it's the opposite of Marshall. The way he like goes into holds that aren't real or like abandons holds like into another hold like <laughs> while the old hold was working. Like, you know, just none of it makes any sense if you're trying to do an MMA, uh, I'm a grappler gimmick. Okay. Um, so um, I used to just not, I, I just couldn't handle it as a shoot style and MMA fan. Okay. Like it, it, it was so like, I'd rather see you just do flippy flop, completely fake wrestling <laughs> than pretend to do realistic wrestling. That's actually more fake than, than the fake wrestling. Okay. Um, that was my premise. Right. But uh, he's kind of won me over with the overwhelming force of his personality, mm-hmm. which is the same way uh, we, we felt about Tai Chi exactly. for a while now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think, honestly, I didn't like Tai Chi at all. Like, I just, I did not, I did not enjoy him. Uh, I was a little, I guess, um, you know, it was kind of like, hey, go to the gym. You know, let's, I, <laughs> <laughs> like, show me you care, because it seems like you don't care. Um, but then, I don't know, I did, I started to come around. One, um, uh, they, they did sort of gradually build him uh, into some some bigger, more high-profile feuds. And I was really surprised to see that it looked like he really did put a lot of effort in. Like, he got in better shape, and he was working a lot harder, and uh, yeah, he had much better matches. It's so cool when, like, when you see someone who who hasn't gotten very many opportunities get, mm-hmm. the, get a chance, and then they deliver. Yeah. It's they, like, you know, that just engenders an amount of respect that maybe you didn't have before, I think. Right. And then... I it's think, the backstage comments, though, right? Yeah. and But then most importantly is we got to hear from him a lot more. <laughs> right. And, and he's hilarious. And he is. He's He is just absolutely hilarious. To me, he's the best promo in wrestling. I mean, he gets me every time. Like, there's there's at least at least one line from every one of his backstage comments that just, just has me rolling. I mean, he's just such a shitbag. Yes, I mean, and he's, he's so mean to. He's so snide. He's so snarky. Um, and then and he pairs wonderfully with his dangerous Techers partner in in Zack Saber Jr. So I completely can't. I like. I think also too, his entrance. And how just like so overwrought and kind of terrible his entrance is. And for the longest time, I think I only saw it as like, you know, I I don't even get it. Like, I just don't get it. And then I think when I started to pay more attention and I'm like, here's this guy who, who gets this big, fancy, overwrought entrance with a huge costume and he's supposed to be like this lip-syncing opera singer and if you really watch he doesn't even really bother to lip-sync right he's like literally the worst lip-syncer ever like he doesn't even try and i I think i used to just be like "Ah, 
dude doesn't even try. What is? Why do they give him this time? And then it started. I started to move in towards like, like it's hilarious that this guy doesn't even try. <laughs> like he has this huge fancy entrance that always gets like a ton of time. <laughs> like they give him the whole entrance, the video package, and the whole walkout, and taking off his clothes and everything. And and I and and I I really did. I turned around from that like. You know, oh, I'm just so angry they give this guy this much time to like. It is absolutely hilarious right. that they give this guy this much time and like he doesn't even try to lip sync. I I really like what I what I kind of enjoy about uh, Tai Chi is like he's like he's the uh, sh- the shoot Naito where like Naito has this gimmick where he's like he doesn't really care and and he's ungovernable you can't right. control him and like you know he's like blase about you know stuff right um, except for he cares he so clearly much. cares right, so much yeah. whereas like Tai Chi actually yeah I think maybe he doesn't does, care. doesn't seem to give a fuck and and like so that I I always respond to that kind of energy like I I, I kind of like uh, maybe it's ego talking or whatever, but I kind of feel like I, I have a little bit of that, that myself. And so like when someone is willing to just go out there and just be like, uh, I don't fuck you. Um, I just like it. So I'm, I'm really into to Tai Chi as well. He's managed to maintain that kind of aura and that kind of energy while at the same time winning these tag team belts and defending them. Um, and, and you you get the get the sense that like this guy is going to do whatever he has to to keep those belts, and at the same time, this guy doesn't give a shit about these belts. <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's genius. How, I don't know how you manage both of those, yeah, how, but you do. That balancing act is really cool. <laughs> and um, so the one I had chosen, uh, we had even talked about it uh, between the two of us. Um, I don't know. It kind of feels weird now, but like I, I had chosen Brody Lee was going to be the person I talked about for this, um, uh, for a lot of the reasons that if you are a wrestling fan, you've probably seen people discussing in the last couple of days. But just um, the being the elite, I think, is the was one of the things I enjoyed most in particular. Uh, Brody Lee and the Dark Order's mm-hmm. performances on on um, being the the elite, yeah, the the character he inhabited there, like just this kind of like uh, just this force of nature, mm-hmm. um, was so funny, and and he delivered it so well, and um, I loved like his big booming laugh, and like also like even as he was yelling like you know shut the fuck up <laughs> you motherfucker or whatever like you know the you could see the twinkle in his yeah. eye and how much fun he was having. Mm-hmm. And I, I really respond to that. Like, yeah. I, I, I love it when, um, not necessarily the wink, wink nature of wrestling, like of modern wrestling, right. but just like when you see someone who is good at something, who is doing it and clearly enjoying mm-hmm. themselves yes. in the moment. Like, I, I just love that so much. And so, um, I mean, if you've heard this podcast, you know that we've talked a lot about how much we love Brody Lee and the Dark Order mm-hmm. and, and their skits. Um, the one that I've seen um, several times uh, in the last few days is when um, uh, Trent's mom, uh, Sue. Sue from Best Friends, yeah. came back there and uh, and Brody Lee slams and says, "This motherfucker doesn't even like your cooking," <laughs> and um, and. And he gives uh, gives her the papers to to whack John Silver on the head. Only like she whiffs and completely yeah. misses. And like Brody is trying so hard not to break 
character, and he's like, do it again, do it again. And then she she lightly hits him with the paper. She's like, you better fall down for Sue. That's right. <laughs> better sell for Sue. That's just, right. Just like the the whole skit, like just the, the energy of it. Like yeah. you could tell like these people are loving this yeah, shit. Yeah, I remember watching that live and turning to you and just being like, oh my God, his smile. Yes. Because I don't think I'd so ever, genuine. I don't think I'd ever seen him like really smile well, that cause, big. Cause, cause yeah, because that's not his Mr. Brody Lee is an angry character. And he had such a great So he smile. was rarely smiling, but you could see it in his eyes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like that. What you... was a huge 180 for me? Because, you know, I had a bad attitude about them bringing the WWE stars in there. Um, just cause I, I was just like, you know, we don't need them. Like we don't, the guys I like don't get enough time as it is. And so being a WWE star coming in and then I didn't like the whole first part of his entrance into AEW where they had him being like the Vince McMahon character and stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I started out just being like, I, right. I don't really care for this guy in AEW. And then with, with like you said, the shoulder programming and the Dark Order stuff and how uh, they sort of abandoned that first iteration of Mr. Brody Lee and more he became like, uh, he, he sort of became, to me, it was like with the Dark Order, he was like this, I mean, I first of all, I love a scary big guy who also has that like comedic, tinge you know who can really pull that off i love that that right. character Any, anytime anybody can do that i love that but then also he was like it was like this like long it was, he acted like he was like this long suffering dad to all these misfits back yes. there like he these were he was raising these kids yes uh, i'm 29 <laughs> yeah i mean it was so great like there's not there's nothing i enjoyed more on a, a weekly basis and um I mean, and, and clearly everyone did. They just kept giving them more and more time. Right. And, and it was, um, I mean, obviously the human tragedy of him losing his life uh, so young and his, his wife and kids. Um, but uh, from an artistic perspective, it, it's so it's so sad to me um, that we lost this guy just as he was figuring it out. I thought he was going to be huge. I, mean, I he, really he, did. I mean, if you combine the fierceness of his ring work mm-hmm. with the, which I thought was improving actually. Yeah. With just like kind of the, the, the subtle tinges of humor. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I thought that, I mean, I was so positive about his future and, and, and to lose it is, um, it's really sad for wrestling fans. Yeah, and there was something about his presence that was building the people around him. Yes. It made like, everyone. Yeah. Like silver and Reynolds. And apparently um, that was his, what was happening in real life. Right, too. Anna Jay, but you could see it just by being by their side. He was like giving them a gravitas and like really, I mean, you, he was growing them that's right what, there in front of your I mean, eyes. And that's what you're supposed to do. Exactly. And so that, that it was working is, um, and, and it's, I, I just said he was doing so great, but also it felt like he hadn't, they hadn't quite, they hadn't quite figured out how to take the being the elite character fully into dynamite yeah we talked about that but, quite a bit but but i felt so confident that he would figure mm-hmm. it out because it kept getting so much better yeah and they were getting closer to it like i just feel like he was on the cusp of 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 being just uh, you know a, a legendary professional wrestler mm-hmm. and so um uh, you know it sucks it, it really sucks it's, <laughs> it's hard um so um yeah i i, I turned around on, on mr Birdie lee though and i and i'm glad that um we were able to enjoy uh, 
his artistry while while we could. So yeah, but in terms of uh, shows and promotions, um, I would have to say positively turned around to SmackDown, which like used to be nearly unwatchable. Oh, like like most of major WWE <laughs> programming. Um, yeah, now that I'm not like a a, a paid like wrestling writer, I I can just say like. Yes, a lot of that stuff was unwatchable. Uh, raw, yeah, raw, still. raw still remains fairly unwatchable to me. Um, uh, you know, I have no alliance to any particular promotions. Sure. I'll say whatever I want. Uh, raw remains pretty unwatchable to me. Um, you know, NXT, I uh, catch it when I can, and I you know have my favorites over there. Uh, but I think Smack. I think I've really come around to. I feel like SmackDown is the weekly show that I enjoy the most. Uh, you know, here in the these major television North American shows, um, and it's because I feel like they always have they have all they always have a lot of stories going on, and they're all engaging. But also, it feels like one nice coherent show. Like right. from start to finish, there's just something about it. The way that it's put together is that it just uh, it flow. It always flows very nicely. All, right. all two hours of it. I, and I, I think um, that it's a, it's very distinct from AEW, which is the other kind of show that we we yeah, traditionally that's, like. That's the one I've kind of turned around right. in the other way. Right, because uh, while while SmackDown presents a number of like coherent storylines. Um, together on one show mm-hmm. uh in, in aw like tr- typically you have like uh one story maybe that they've they've put any kind of thought into right and then a bunch of stuff where it's just like uh here's some some guy's gonna have a match um and that's we and, and it's fun it's a good match right but there's nothing there yeah it's like it's strange because i um i have gone back in my quest to figure out my uh end of the year awards and listen to some of our older podcasts to try to remember what what were we enjoying in a particular time. And so I did actually find that right before the COVID era is when I began to have some trouble with AEW. And it went, first it was like, I used to watch every dark and slowly dark to me became more or less unwatchable. A bunch of squash matches, a bunch of people you may not ever see again, uh, definitely people who couldn't be taken as any kind of like serious competitor. Um, it, we just slowly stopped watching uh, Dark. No, I mean, early on it had like, you know, Kenny Omega and Joey Janela. And yeah, like, you and, know... and some feuds got continued on Dark, and you could expect to see like the big personalities, and you never knew who, you, when you've got big personalities, you don't know who's going to win necessarily. It's not all. Like if 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 a major AEW personality shows up in dark, he's not losing. She's not losing. Like it's there's no right. There's you know there's no. Uh, I mean, we could talk a lot about like how they could fix this by like having some more fifty fifty matches, right? Or like having some of the job people yes. uh, wrestle each other. Yes, your enhancement talent needs to wrestle each other. Like. I mean, I'd love to watch a dark and not know exactly what was going to happen. Yes. But it just doesn't it doesn't right. work that way, so, and so I haven't watched it in months. No, so so dark fell off. It was no longer you know must watch uh, programming, and um, even by the first podcast that we did in the COVID era, um, we were discussing what our our favorite promotions were, and you were still fairly high on AEW, but I was saying that it had never eclipsed New Japan for me, and 
and that it was start I was starting to have some problems. I was seeing some cracks and and it was things like that uh, they had some some storylines that they just abandoned and it was happening too often. Um, some things, some matchups that didn't make really didn't make any sense. Um, too much stuff that in the long run just didn't matter. Like why, 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 why are you having this match? Who cares? Right? Just too much of that. Too many stars not being seen for weeks at a time with no explanation and never knowing what they were going to come back and do next, which I don't like that feeling. I like to know that I like to have an idea that things make sense and people are doing things for a reason and (laughs) what to, you know, what to expect next. And I think I've gotten to the point now with Kenny Omega's championship that I I didn't know whether he was going to beat Moxley. I thought maybe it was early. And, may, and maybe he would lose that one and Moxley would retain. But even when he won, my immediate thought was, who's next? Who do they have waiting in the ring? Who's a serious contender? And I have a really hard time figuring out who that is. Well, it's been several weeks and you still have no idea. Like, who's going to no. face Kenny? You... And it's been several weeks and we haven't heard from Moxley, oh. the longtime champion who was cheated out of his belt. It's weird uh, how little for, for like supposedly like such old school wrestling fans and mentality like how little anyone character wise in AEW seems to care about the world championship no. belt like in if you watch like old nwa stuff like guys will be having their own feuds but they'll also always mention like hey i want to fight the u.s champion exactly uh dusty Rhodes. i want to fight the world champion if Ric i don't Flair. have any gold what am i doing here what's the point of this so they would be mentioned all the time by guys up and down the card mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile kenny Omega wins the title by cheating, mm-hmm. takes it to another wrestling promotion, right? And um, nobody seems to care. No, Jr. Jr. Jim Ross seems to be the only person who cares. He seems to be trying to bring people with him. You know, he, his <laughs> colleagues. Yeah, you know, seriously, right. like he he seems like he is acting like y'all should be mad about this. Right. Like people should be mad. There should be ten guys lined up. You know, to take that belt away from that cheating champion who just, you know, fucked off to some other promotion. Like, who is it? You would think Mr. AEW, Cody Rhodes, would be the guy who would stand up. But he's taken his, he took himself out of the title picture in, in ti- entirely for no good reason. And he basically just acts like it doesn't even exist. I mean, we can even, I don't even get started on that stipulation <laughs> that the babyface put on himself. It's not like the dastardly heel made that stipulation right. part of the match and he had to do it. And then he got screwed. He's like, oh, he, he created that stipulation out of nowhere. Um, uh, and then they did the same stipulation later. Uh, there's a lot that doesn't make sense. But, yes. And then um, that's the thing is that I don't know how many times on this podcast I have said I just want it to make sense and now this promotion is is making less and less sense to me on a on a regular basis so smackdown is up AEW is down <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so one more question and new japan is still the best all right so uh, one more question is from rich bernal um wants to know what match will steal the show at wrestle kingdom oh okay so you did tell me this and i I immediately was like, oh, well, I think we can assume that Naito and Ibushi will do something crazy. And you were like, hey, 
I don't like to hear that because main events can't steal a show. Yeah, that always annoyed me. Like, I, I once even, like, talked to Sean. I, I, you were so annoyed, I apologized. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't mean to put out that kind of level of annoyance. But, like, you know, even, like, talking to uh, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, in an interview where he's uh-huh. talking about how he and somebody stole the show. I was like, no, you were the main event. On yeah. the poster, they advertised you for the show. Right. You're, you're supposed to deliver. I, I understand. I get, right. what you, I get what you're saying. So I think stealing the show is, to me, it's a match that you don't necessarily expect is going to do anything in particular. Right. It's not going to necessarily be special, but that delivers. That's what stealing the show is to me. Okay. And um, the match that I, I feel like the most positive about mm-hmm. is the uh, Great Okan against Tanahashi. Yeah, that's the first and, and I know so many of the smart fans hate it, but I think that Okan has been really good. Yeah, I he, so different. Oh my than gosh! Anything else? Okay, I, so I watch World Tag League. Uh, I saw most of the matches in in World Tag League. Um, I loved Cobb and Okan. I I thought they were fantastic, and you know I w- you were kind of sort of getting to compare. We've been getting to compare the reintroduction of Watto. And, or Master Watto. Yeah, show and the, some respect. Yeah, sorry. And the reintroduction of, of, of Great O'Connor. It's like, it's like Coach to, Saban. You don't just say Watto. <laughs> you, don't, you don't say Nick or Saban. You say Coach Saban. You say Master Watto. And so, I to me, they're polar opposites. Like, I feel like I, I feel like Master Watto has not been handled well at all. And I, I don't, I didn't really feel like he did a lot for himself in the, in the best of super junior. So I don't know that he's not been handled well as much as like, he just hasn't, he hasn't delivered. Well, okay. So he has a weird aesthetic. Yes. And they present him as and he like. he can't talk and he's awkward. Yes, he's awkward. And, and yeah, his wrestling he's ter- is awkward. He's terrible on the mic. He's too practiced and, and like sort of performative in, in the ring. And he doesn't really match. He doesn't wrestle a style that matches what they're trying to tell you that he is. Right. Um, so I don't really understand him at all. And I, it, to me, it doesn't feel like it's going that well. Um, as opposed to the introduction of uh, great. Okan, who has an incredible look, whether he's in the ring wrestling or his suits when he's out of the ring being like uh, the mastermind of the empire or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you know, his wrestling, I think he's doing a much better job in the ring. He's clearly a lot more comfortable with who his character is. He has a simpler style and, and that's good because uh, I think Watto is doing too much and it's not working out for him, um, as opposed to Great Okan, who has a much simpler style of wrestling, and thus it, it just he just looks more comfortable and, all the time. And to me, there's like a huge advantage um, when there's kind of like a, a house style, and, and a lot of the wrestlers kind of deliver the same kind of match, the same kind of energy, the, the same kind of movements, you know, everything feels the same a lot. Uh, New Japan in particular, like, you know, a lot of the guys kind of wrestle the same way. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy is different. Yeah. You know, he kind of, uh, his name is supposed to, it kind of evokes like old school, like Killer Khan, mm-hmm. where he's just, uh, he's just a, a swaggering brute who's going to hit you with a Mongolian chop. You know, he's not going to do an intricate uh, dance of like technical moves with you. Like he's just, there's just going to be a fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, when you're doing something different to me, that's when you have the opportunity to, to make your mark right. in a way where if you were just like the 10th the guy trying to do a version of Okada, like that's not going to work. Yeah. And, and, but also, I mean, you know, 
you run the risk of uh, not being comfortable in your character, trying to do something different and, and looking like a guy who's just faking it. Right. He looks very comfortable in this character already, um, which is – I. You know, normally you'd be like, really, you're going to come in here and take on Tanahashi? Are you serious? But I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's like, nah, it's my time now. And you're like, oh, I think he really means it. Right. <laughs> Maybe it is his time. I think he really means it. And, and um, I, I don't know what their plans are for him, but we've talked about this before. Like, as great as New Japan is, like, you know, we've seen a lot of these matches already for uh-huh. years now so it's it's we've been kind of asking for a long time like where's the next japanese star coming right. from it, you know it, it, you can't really just develop someone out of nowhere out of them who's been a 15-year mid carter like you can't just take goto and be like goto is the new star right like that's not gonna work right exactly. so um maybe this is the guy they can do something yeah i mean with. i don't know maybe maybe it is but the other part of that match is tanahashi and it's hard to bet against tanahashi because even when you're like oh poor tanahashi he's hardly you know he had a terrible world tag league he's not moving very well he's not you know he's ha- he's having a lot of trouble maybe this is it for tanahashi um he manages when it's a big stage. He really he pulls it out <laughs> right every time. Yeah, and even when you're making those comments, um, I think part of the, part of that is Tanahashi is saving himself for yes. the big match. Yeah, like he knows that your legacy is the big match, mm-hmm. not necessarily like delivering a three star match in every in every single small town that you go through. Right, but like when you have a big match, you hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, like it, Tanahashi looked completely washed. Uh, a couple of years ago, and then he went out and had a match of the year candidate with Kenny. Yes, in which he just he just ruled. Yeah, like he looked like old Tanahashi, mm-hmm. and uh, he went and had a match with Chris Jericho. Yes, I was just going to mention uh, that. And and so like when the lights are brightest, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter how terrible Tanahashi has looked for the last six months. Right, like when you bring bring him out for that big show, <laughs> yeah. like he's coming. Yeah, and so. Um, He's going to make this kid do something, I think. Like, he's going to give him a chance. Yeah. And people are going to care because it's Tanahashi. Because it's Tanahashi. So it's a, it's a good opportunity where it's, like, not too much pressure for the new guy, mm-hmm. but just enough right. that, like, if if you do something good, people are going to pay attention. Right. If you fail, like, it's not going to ruin the show. But if you if you score, mm-hmm. like, people will be watching. Yeah. Um, I, I'm excited about this match. I, I feel like I'm the only one. But, um, no, no, I don't, I don't think you're the only one. No, do you see other people online? Like, oh, I thought you just meant me. <laughs> no, in, in this room we're excited, but sometimes in this room we are yeah. outliers. I don't know. I can't. I can't really tell. Also, there always seems to be a bit of a divide between the Japanese audience and the American audience sure, and yeah. what they want. Oh, a huge divide. Yeah, obviously. And so we had a second. I think you and I agreed on a second possible sleeper, and that's um, it, it's actually a match that wasn't even supposed to happen. But Kenta and Kojima. Yes. Um, it was supposed to be Kenta and Juice. Uh, I believe Juice has a broken orbital bone. Um, I'm very sorry that he's not going to be able to participate in Wrestle Kingdom. That sucks so bad. I mean, Juice is so snake bit. Yeah, it's, it, really, it really stinks. But um, Kojima stepped up uh, to take that match. Uh, you know, Kenta is currently holding a briefcase of his own. That's a contract to challenge uh, John Moxley for the New Japan uh, U.S. title. And so he's 
put that briefcase on the line at Wrestle Kingdom. It was supposed to be Juice, and now it's going to be Kojima. Kojima literally had just tweeted uh, that he had his last, ma- last match of the year and that he was sad that there wasn't a place for him at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Uh, but, you know, he's going to do big things in, in 2021, and then next thing you know, he has to, you know, step up and uh, and gets a chance to step up and challenge Kenta and take this match. And the thing is, is that Kojima can still go. I think so. I think he's great. Like, I, And I, he's kind of, like, slowed down because he's older. Oh, yeah, he's older. And he's he's kind of simplified what he's done. And I think that's greatly to his benefit. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so he, he does things that he can do well, and he hits hard, and, like, to that's what I want to see. Yeah. That's why I like the Young Lions matches, where it's just like the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to, he and Kenta are going to beat the crap out yeah, of each other. Yeah, and I mean, Kenta is a pretty basic yes, uh, wrestler. at this point, um, for sure. And I always describe his wrestling as cruel. Yeah, he's, he's, mean. He's, a, he's, he's a mean. He's mean. Exactly. He's a cruel wrestler. Like we were talking about Stan Hansen, like a guy who's like, um, for me to be successful and make a lot of money in wrestling... I have to hurt the other guy. Like, I've got to go hard. Um, Kenta has always been the same way. Yeah. Like, if you watch old Kenta, mm-hmm. um, when he was, like, a younger wrestler, even more than that than now, like, um, he's he's going to do what it takes to, to get himself over. And so um, I, I feel, like, strongly, like, these guys are going to pound the crap out of yeah, each other. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I think, one, like, that's just how uh, Kenta wrestle, wrestles, and it's a little bit how Kojima wrestles sure. too. Yeah. And so they're gonna... Nobody becomes a top guy in Japan without having some of that spirit. Right, and but like, it's sort of like almost, now it's like almost, it's like, okay, permissible that you and I will both just really, you know, go at each other. And I think Kojima has that, like, I wasn't even going to be on this show. I was going to get left out of Wrestle Kingdom entirely. And th- and now I have a singles match in Wrestle Kingdom, like I, he's going to give it everything he has, and so I, I have a feeling that this could be really good. And there's also like just kind of like the the undercurrent of like the energy that Kenta brings so often, which is just like uh, a disrespect, and like just the as he'll go hard in a way that it like doesn't feel comfortable. And I think that um, Kojima is a guy who's like been at the top of the industry, mm-hmm. so there's going to be a part of him. That says like, look, I don't give a shit who you are. <laughs> I was uh, right, Kojima. Yeah, I was the champion in multiple promotions. Yeah, he's like, a bit of a meat streak. Like you're gonna respect me. Yeah, and so um, uh, there's a chance that these two guys will will be battling for each other's respect in a way that's really fun for the audience. Yeah, I, I think so. So I, I feel promising about that match too. Right. And then of course we just there's just obviously there's a ton of matches on both of these cards that could break out and just you know, absolutely be like a, a banger Of course all, every, every all your stars. Everyone's gonna go as hard as yeah, they yeah, can. It's, it's Wrestle Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um uh, so, but I wanted to pick out those matches in particular because they're kind of under the radar, mm-hmm. but I think they're ones that could surprise people. I so. agree. Very, very excited as always um, with uh, about Wrestle Kingdom. Like, it, there's never been a year um, since we started watching again where um, I just haven't been juiced for it. Yeah, like, and I mean, even before I haven't I... been excited about anything in weeks because of COVID. Right. Like, it just kind of drains you of your energy. Yeah. And, and and like you just don't feel anything except for like I'm tired of coughing. Right. <laughs> I'm well, tired this was of like, sleeping. This was my short term goal is to be able to stay up on those nights 
and and watch those shows live because I don't want to get spoiled. I want <laughs> right. to watch it live. Um, but you know, just a couple of days ago, Wouldn't the idea of being able to do that would have been impossible. I, I could not have done it. It it would have it would have exhausted me. I think to a dangerous level. Yeah, I'm not I'm sure. Starting to feel like maybe I'm going to be able to do it. I, I'm not sure where I'm going to be, but I, for the first time in 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 quite a while, like. I feel excited about it. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I, I really look forward to the, to the shows and, and hope that I can, uh, that I can just stay up and, and, and COVID lets me, uh, watch live. And, but either way, it's just like, if I, I just feel great about it, like it feels like something, something cool. Yeah. Like something to look forward to and it just haven't had that in a long time. Yeah. Well, we have a really, there's a really great week coming up because we have, uh, there's a game changer wrestling show on Thursday. There's a game changing wrestling show on Friday. And then we're going to move in to the fourth, fifth, and then they'll do New Year's Dash on the sixth. So three days in a row of always, I think, top quality. And Japanese those, wrestling. The, the New Japan shows of the weekend? Uh, they are um, <laughs> next week. <coughs> They're not the weekend. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Sorry, you're going to have to work it around work. <laughs> all right. Well, awesome. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to all this, and um, I've really enjoyed watching wrestling with you this year. And, and everybody, like our small family of, of listeners, like it's been so cool to, to get a chance to know some of you guys online and to have you like share this journey with us. Yeah, and we'll, do, we'll be back in a couple of days with our end of the year awards. And you guys have already furnished us with like, I don't know, 10 or 12 questions um, to help us uh, get our lists going. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping within a couple of days. And you did great, by the way. I was really worried about you making it through a podcast. Well, I enjoy talking with you. So this is the most I've talked in weeks. <laughs> or sat up straight, <laughs> or sat probably. Up straight. Um, but I, you know, I, I didn't want to let you down and and bail out on the podcast again. So. Um, well, I appreciate. It. I was really glad to be here with you. <laughs>